You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. Sex Education in BC Schools, an Explainer By Akila Menon, December 9, 2022 What do British Columbia's youth learn about sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity in school? When do they learn it and how is it taught? These are questions that affect the well-being of every child in the province and fuel debate and political action among adults. The questions are so charged that in the most recent school board elections across the province, 28 candidates ran under the banner of Parents Voice BC a group with strong Christian conservative ties opposed to the current sex education approach in public schools. Some socially conservative trustee candidates also opposed BC SOGI, or sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum, which helps educators make schools inclusive and safe for students of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Parents and students might understandably be confused and wanting more information which is why the Thai interviewed several education experts and practitioners to create this explainer. Why do we teach sex ed in schools? 20% of all BC youth in grades 7 to 12 are sexually active according to a 2018 Adolescent Health Survey. Comprehensive sex education in the classroom has been shown to improve decision-making outcomes. Comprehensive is important here. UNESCO's 2018 Technical Guidance on Sexual Education defines comprehensive sex ed as learning about the cognitive, emotional, physical, and social aspects of sexuality. It aims to equip children and young people with knowledge, skills, attitudes, and values that will empower them to realize their health, well-being, and dignity, develop respectful social and sexual relationships, consider how their choices affect their own well-being and that of others and, understand and ensure the protection of their rights throughout their lives. Students who've had comprehensive instruction are more likely to have their first experience of sexual intercourse later, to have sex less frequently, to have fewer sexual partners, to engage less in risky sex and to use contraception, according to UNESCO. Several of the experts the Thai spoke to for the story stated that sex education is a human right. Yet in 2013, the BC Adolescent Health Survey found that the majority of young British Columbians in its sample reported that they were not learning where to get tested for a sexually transmitted infection, 57%, or where to get emergency contraception if they needed it, 52%. Many had not learned where to get free condoms or contraception, 38%, or where to access birth control, 47%. Such findings prompted the province to update its approach to teaching sex ed in schools. The province's Physical and Health Education, or PHE curriculum, was redesigned and implemented between 2016 to 2019, including new standards for sexual education, developed by a team of teachers from public and independent schools and government experts. The language in the current PHE curriculum, in terms of sexual health content, is meant to destigmatize mental and sexual health and ensure non-judgmental language is used, a spokesperson for the education ministry told the Thai. Rather than talking about the risks of certain activities, 
the focus is on promoting overall healthy sexual decision-making. What are kids taught about sex and when? Sex ed starts in elementary school and progresses in a developmentally appropriate way as students get older, the ministry told the Thai. Kindergartners are taught to respond to unsafe and or uncomfortable situations and demonstrate respectful behavior. From first to third grade, some of the important elements of sex ed include establishing boundaries, such as saying no without guilt. In grade 5, students learn about physical, emotional, and social changes that occur during puberty, including those involving sexuality and sexual identity, and changes to relationships. The curriculum recommends that 6th, 7th, and 8th graders are taught about practices that reduce the risk of contracting STIs, reliable sources of health information and awareness of how to respond to risky situations. And in grade 10, the learning standards include an emphasis on healthy sexual decision-making as well as the intricacies of healthy relationships. Currently, topics on human sexuality and reproduction in the PHE curriculum are mandatory for all BC students from kindergarten to grade 10. However, precisely what they learn in sex ed classes depends on who is doing the instruction. Who teaches sex ed in BC schools? It was supposed to be mainly gym teachers when the BC sex ed curriculum was moved from health and career to physical and health education in 2015. But nowadays, the responsibility is often contracted out to independent sex ed facilitators. So what students are taught in sex ed can vary from one school to another. Yes, significantly. Individual school districts, schools and educators are responsible for determining resources used in classrooms and ensuring that they meet BC's curriculum standards, the education ministry spokesperson told the TAI. So, each school district decides who does the sex ed teaching, including who might be contracted to do the job. What might students be told about abortion, for example? Students in schools in Abbotsford, Langley, and other nearby cities may be taught by facilitators from Advocate Life and Education Services. Advocate operates crisis pregnancy centers, which actively counsel pregnant women against seeking an abortion. Or consider how abstaining from sex is presented compared to explaining how to practice safe sex. An advocate job posting from August 2022 to hire a sex ed presenter requires the candidate to be fully committed to advocate's vision, mission, and values, including a commitment to teaching and affirming abstinence as the best way to avoid sexually transmitted infections and unplanned pregnancies. Research shows that an abstinence-only focus when teaching sex ed can contribute to shame and stigma. Jared White, executive director of Advocate, told the TAI that part of healthy decision-making is recognizing that sex has adult consequences. Teens engaging in premarital sex not only risk pregnancy and contracting disease, they go on to have higher rates of divorce, he claimed, citing a book his organization uses in teaching sex ed titled Hooked, The Brain Science of How Casual Sex Affects Human Development. The Instagram account for Advocate Sex Ed Program Sexual Health and Integrity for Teens seeks to convince teens that if you have sex with someone who you decide you dislike, whether you're sick, like it or not you will naturally connect to that person.
The Taiyi shared the Advocate Sexual Health and Integrity for Teens presentation outline with Kristen Gilbert, a sex ed facilitator for over 18 years who is the education director for the nonprofit options for sexual health. Her judgment of the Advocate approach? Rather than offering relevant, useful information on sexual decision-making, they claim that the opposite of abstinence is casual sex-slash-sex addiction. They're essentially offering abstinence-only education. Contrast advocates offerings with how Salima Noon, with the organization Sexual Health Educators, teaches sex ed in many Vancouver schools. Her primary goal is to aid young people with the knowledge and the skills they need to enjoy their sexuality, both physically and emotionally, and stay safe and healthy. Whereas abstinence-only sex ed is fear-based and problem-focused. We start with the basics, says Noon. And we scaffold information as kids get older in a way that's relevant to their stage of development and their experience. For kindergartners and first graders, the basics include a review of the three private parts of the body, mouth, breasts, and genitals, as well as a discussion about consent. Students are taught the scientific terms related to anatomy and reproduction, i.e., vulva, penis, testicles, vagina, urethra, anus, uterus, that the baby is born through the vagina, and that families are formed in different, unique ways. Tenth graders receive a more comprehensive three-hour session, split in two parts, that provides information about healthy sexuality, self-care, safer sex, sexual decision-making, consent, healthy relationships and online safety. How Noon teaches evolves with the times, she adds. It's important to adjust and ensure that the content being provided is relevant to young people's lives, using language that is inclusive and helps every student feel seen and heard while being medically accurate, she says. A comprehensive, inclusive sex ed program, according to Noon, makes no assumptions about, for example, penetrative vaginal sex being the only type of sex. It recognizes the breadth of sexual experiences, and how we're all unique, in terms of our sexual orientation and gender identity. We know from research that it delays sexual activity. Because it's so much more than just having sex or not having sex, she told the Thai. It's about intimacy and communication and healthy relationships and connection, and pleasure and consent, and all that good stuff. Some BC school boards have attempted to standardize their sex ed courses. Vancouver's trustees mandated that sex education delivery must be ethical and avoid a reflection of the facilitator's own values and present information that is unbiased and factual, for example. Gilbert questions whether programs like Advocates would meet these standards. Where is there room for improvement in BC's sex ed curriculum? As we've seen above, there can be a range of views on this one. Our curriculum is more current and reflective of the needs of students than many other provinces, says sex ed facilitator Noon. But it has become vaguer and less prescriptive in its learning objectives. For teachers who are comfortable running with it, according to Noon, this is a good thing. But there's little guidance and support for teachers who may not be comfortable or don't have as much experience teaching sex edition. An ideal sex ed curriculum would be an evidence-based, comprehensive one, says Brandy Weeb, Noon's colleague and a sexuality professor at the University of British Columbia. 
Weeb notes that while the current curriculum makes an effort to address issues around gender and sexual identities, the tough thing about the curriculum is that it's quite broad. Gilbert believes some of the content should be taught earlier. According to the curriculum, I don't talk about how babies are made until grade 6, she told the Thai. That is absolutely bananas. There are sometimes one or two kids in a grade 6 or 7 class who I can tell by their faces are learning about it for the first time. And that's far from ideal. She adds, it isn't harmful or inappropriate for children to understand how babies are made. It's perfectly normal for children to be curious about this and it's quite simple to explain using age-appropriate language. In addition, Gilbert says that being informed can help protect children from abuse, as the parent can clarify the rules about touching, and establish themselves as an askable adult who the child can come to with any concerns or questions. Predators who target children are more likely to look for a child who doesn't know the rules about touching, and who hasn't learned the scientific names for their body parts. According to the 2018 Adolescent Health Survey, about 20% of all girls surveyed, ages 12 to 19, had experienced sexual abuse. Taylor Arndt, an MA student at UBC and participant in the Level Youth Public Policy Program comprising indigenous and racialized immigrant and refugee youth across BC, wrote a policy proposal for comprehensive sex ed and BC Arndt pointed out that the current curriculum doesn't use the term consent. The Thai reported on this issue earlier this year. Schools need to explicitly mention the word consent in their sexual education lesson. It's important that be included because, in cases of sexual violence involving the law, the issue of consent always comes up, Arndt said. Research backs up Arndt. A recent Canadian Women's Foundation study found that 55% of Canadians don't fully understand consent when it comes to sexual activity. A recent Ministry of Education press release mentioned updated health guides and the expansion of kindergarten to grade 12 curriculum resources that will support educators in teaching consent with an age-appropriate and non-discriminatory approach in the classroom. Starting early 2023, the province will offer additional learning sessions through Safer Schools together for parents and students about consent, online safety, and healthy relationships. What is the difference between sex ed and SOGI instruction in BC schools? In the recent past, a number of socially conservative groups have voiced concerns about SOGI 123. In an email interview with the Thai, Reg Craig, the executive director for SOGI 123, clarified that while sex education and SOGI 123 are often confused, the latter is a set of tools and resources to help create safer and more inclusive schools for students of all sexual orientations and gender identities, rather than a set education program. SOGI 123 includes policies and procedures, inclusive learning environments and age-appropriate teaching resources that are aligned to BC's K-12 curriculum and that are designed to be woven into the delivery of BC's curriculum, not as additional requirements of the curriculum. When asked about the public response to SOGI 123, Craig said that as per their internal evaluation process, educators who are part of the SOGI Educator Network are increasingly reporting that they have both the support and resources needed to deliver SOGI inclusive education in their school or district. 
Each year, we have tens of thousands of people accessing tools and resources from our website to help them create safer and more SOGI-inclusive schools, which speaks to the need that SOGI 123 helps address within the education field, he added. SOGI 123 does not, as some have claimed, take away from delivering math, language, arts, social studies, or other core elements of the curriculum. A recent Igali survey of 4,000 students found that 62% of two SLGBTQIA respondents reported feeling unsafe at school. Schools have a responsibility to create safe and inclusive spaces for all students and SOGI 123 helps achieve that, Craig said. It encourages inclusivity, and all students need to see themselves reflected in the world around them and to be seen for who they truly are so that they can be free to be their most authentic selves and live their best possible life. Can parents prevent their children from learning about sex ed in school? In instances where students and their parents feel that topics like reproduction and sexuality might cause discomfort if addressed in a classroom setting, there is the capacity for students with parental-slash-guardian consent to learn about the topics by an alternative means, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Education told the TAI. However, the alternate delivery policy does not allow students to opt out of learning about these topics. Students are still expected, in consultation with their school, to demonstrate their knowledge of the topics arranged by alternative means. White, who also ran for school trustee under the banner of Abbotsford Parents First in last month's school board elections, strongly believes that parents should have an equal say in their children's education. I think parents are typically the people who know their kids the best and love their children the most, White said about his stance. And they're in the best position to be able to guide their children when it comes to healthy sexual decision-making. He told the TAI that many districts have policies that require parents to be informed when their children are receiving sex education in school. Informing parents of what their children are being taught will help them reinforce those things at home. I know a lot of parents don't feel equipped to speak about it with their children. And it might be good for schools to go a step further and have evening or weekend sessions for parents, where the parents can be informed because they may also have some gaps in their own knowledge. Parental opposition to sex education in schools is also a lot rarer than one might think. A national parent survey conducted by the Sex Information and Education Council of Canada in 2020 found that 90% of parents surveyed in BC agreed that sexual health education should be provided in schools. Thanks for stopping by the TAI today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the TAI.ca and click on the Support Us button to pitch in. Finally, Big, big thank you to all of our Thai builders who made this story possible.